Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, continuing the Memorial Day week conversations here on Alex Garrett Podcasting, I have someone who I could just tell off air is very passionate about the book he wrote, A Few Bad Men, about U.S. Marines who actually were set up to take the fall for Afghanistan war crimes they did not commit and their leader who fought for the redemption of his men. Oh, man, this story uh, is, is sounds gripping already. But I've got to ask Major Fred Gal- uh, Galvin. Thanks for joining me, by the way. Thank Marine you very Major much, Galvin. It's great to be here. A few bad men. You know, a lot of people think of the movie A Few Good Men. So right away, my thought was, is that a, a sort of a, I hate to say a play on the movie name, but is there some kind of connection there? It uh, is very similar. It's a totally different story. This is a nonfiction uh, account of our Marine Special Operations Task Force that went to Afghanistan. Uh, some of the similarities uh, that actual A Few Good Men was a nonfiction story and uh, a young Marine that movie unfortunately died. Uh, in this situation, uh, we were attacked in a complex ambush. We were blown up by a car bomb that uh, detonated on the front of our 30-man patrol in eastern Afghanistan, right on the Pakistan border. And we started receiving fire from one side of the road, then the other side of the road, then sniper fire, then a mass mob formed against us. They dragged a car across the road trying to trap us in there. We fought our way out. Then we faced information warfare from the enemy, which of course is expected, and that's happened throughout the, the war in Afghanistan as well as in Iraq, that you have these information operations going on. Um, however, you don't ever expect that your own military, just like the subtitle of the book, Ambush in Afghanistan, Betrayed in America, um, when they had an investigation they made a rapid decision after interviewing just the first two teams of our 30 men on that patrol. They had not investigated or questioned any Afghans whatsoever, and then they kicked us out of theater. And then the investigation was made to suit the decision of these generals who were under pressure. So what was going on was there was, after this, there was rioting in the streets. The Taliban had uh, heated up the locals. They rioted. They had a, the governor protest to the Afghan president, Hamid Karzai, and that led to uh, the generals buckling and uh, having us kicked out, unfortunately. Uh, so that when we went into court a year later for this war crimes trial of allegedly killing 19 and wounding 50, this was the largest number of Afghan civilians allegedly killed by uh, direct fire weapons as like rifles. And uh, so we went into court, but here's where it gets very immoral and it has a lot of twists, even more so than a few good men. But during all of our defense witnesses' testimonies, you had a public affairs officer, United States Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel, uh, who was directed by uh, a Marine Paul Bird Colonel. He was the legal advisor for the court. They would constantly go to closed session. Now, this, as I just described to you, Alex, this is a, a gun battle. I'm not talking about locations of satellites or submarines at sea. This is a street, a gun battle on the street. There's no reason to classify any of this. There's no reason to remove the media during 
all defense wow. witnesses. So in the story, as you're reading it, not to give a complete spoiler, sure. but you were receiving information as it was chronologically released to the press and it was chronologically described in the trial with the government's prosecution. And you don't, and then there's a break, and then it talks about some of our combat action, both in Iraq and Afghanistan. So if your listeners really love that type of combat action that they may have seen or read in American Sniper, which was based in Iraq, or, or Lone Survivor, which is in Afghanistan, this has uh, Marine Force Reconnaissance, which I led uh, combat operations for as a platoon commander in Iraq, as well as our Marine Special Operations Task Force. We were the very first to be organized and deploy. And, uh, Major have, uh, Galvin, I've got to ask, uh, yes. you just talk about the media not honing in on this. Have you been asked to do a lot of interviews about this by mainstream press or sort of independent podcasts and independent radio shows, if you will? Yes. So when this originally happened, the mainstream the mainstream press, they were a hot mess. They sensationalized this. They went with what the Taliban leaders had claimed, that we were drunk and that we were dismounted and went door-to-door sport killing. Alex, it was so crazy that why anyone would believe that. Our, our leaders certainly didn't, but it was advantageous for them to back up that decision. I mean, actually... I was on the patrol. It happened at 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody was drunk. Nobody even got out of our vehicles, let alone went door-to-door, killing women and children and elderly. Uh, but our leaders didn't want to have an elite inside the Marine Corps, which is already considered elite. So what they did was they made every effort to uh, go along with what the Taliban narrative was. Here's what they're saying. Here's what the head of a state, the president of Afghanistan, was saying. Uh, so, and then our military generals, this, when it goes into what happened, this is not Fred Galvin's story. This is what senior military officers, to include the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Peter Pace, said to the press when he stated that this is a nick on our pride. He stated mm-hmm. that he talked to the commandant of the Marine Corps, General Conway, who said this was, he's very disappointed in the conduct of those Marines. Um, so you had several Marine four-star generals condemning us in the press. You had Marines generals testifying to the House Armed Service Committee that said that, at a minimum, this is excessive force. Um, this was during a criminal investigation. So and, this presumption of innocence, to, and this speaks to also the hatred of the military that some within the ranks, I, I don't know if that's right, but I know that the, on the outside world, there are some that just completely don't like the troops and we have to admit that now at Memorial Day weekend that the the respect for the troops um, becomes less than because of this reporting, right? That's a a leading cause of why some don't respect the troops as they should. Unfortunately, you're absolutely correct. And inside the military, there are those, even of senior ranks that never served as a commander. They never were frontline war fighters. They never were in the trenches. And they look at much like the story of uh, Saul and David, you know, that uh, there's this ego-driven jealousy that Saul has killed thousands, David's killed tens of thousands. This, and this anger and burning hatred that how dare you ever eclipse me. That was going on, and that's what fueled to this day. So if you go and 
web search MARSOC 7. There were seven of us in the Marine Special Operations Command that this investigation aimed in on. You'll see all the condemnation. You'll read about how these general officers made public statements that condemned us. You'll read about um, that the Department of Defense, specifically the Department of Navy, made a 2019 letter, and this was recorded in mainstream media exoneration, the Washington Post and several other uh, news sources, that, that we were completely exonerated after a 12-year fight that I uh, fought, a big, long campaign, uh, using the bipartisan, bicameral support, the media, lawyers, and this all got settled out. But what you won't find, Alex, you won't find, I'll bet you my paycheck, you're not going to find a general officer. You're not going to find any Marine officer, a senior that's active duty that ever came out and said a legal term, such as we were innocent or not guilty or this case was dismissed. They had never said that these Marines did not kill Afghan civilians. That's what Congressman Walter Jones, God rest his soul, fought so hard. He said, Fred, if it's the last thing I do, I'll you know, have your Marines' names cleared. Mm. Uh, but he, uh, he was the one that, in the 115th Congress, put out, a, he sponsored a House Resolution 21 to have the comment on the Marine Corps make an official statement stating that we were not at fault in the ambush on 4 March. For those two years in the 115th Congress, no Marine officer, it, it went unanswered. And to this day, none have made a a definitive legal statement using legal terms such as innocent or or even guilty or dismissed. They just went unanswered. The only thing they stated uh, is using non-legal terms after four months after the trial, stating that we acted appropriately. That's something that you use maybe in an after-action report, sure. but not in the largest <laughs> in the war crimes trial that had the largest number of Afghans killed by by rifles. General uh, Galvin, so, I am I am so enthralled. This had to have given the troops that were innocent PTSD for being even accused of doing this and never cleared by their own leader. Those who, especially the seven of us, one had cancer, had to have surgery, uh, radiation. This was during the trial. Uh, one other very strong, young, physically fit lad uh, ended up getting diabetes. Um, all three of the four of us who were married had uh, divorced. Uh, the financial ruin, this isn't uh, jaywalking. This is capital offense. This is 19 counts. Of 50, they said 19 were killed, 50 others were wounded. So this is a high stakes. Uh, the financial ruin, This the, the lawyers are not... Uh, some DUI attorney. This is a much higher uh, offense. Just like Major Hassan Nadal, the Port Hood shooter, he was sentenced to death, and he will he will face his uh, that judgment. But uh, it was very serious, and it had took its toll. Uh, the professional destruction when so the courtroom. I don't want to give away the whole story. There's two of us that went into the courtroom and were the co-defendants, myself and one other Marine officer. And uh, we took the brunt of it. I was the one that walked into the courtroom from outside and was uh, pictured on all the mainstream media. This is the longest trial in Marine Corps history, three and a half weeks in the courtroom. So when you're the poster boy, the destruction, so 
you know, retiring, I, I went on to serve seven more years and then retired, trying to get a job when you look like Jeffrey Dahmer or Lieutenant Calais from Melee Massacre. Uh, it's not so easy these days uh, with the Google and uh, being able to look yourself up, real, anyone up really quickly. So I applied for 700 jobs after retirement before I got my first one. Mm. Uh, I started a business for four and a half years. And uh, then uh, I was finally able to get an actual job, uh, which I'm thankful for and is grateful. But it, just like anything, the, the harder you have to work, uh, and especially if you're trained as a Marine commando, believe that gives you the greater opportunity to succeed uh, in the long run. So, but uh, this book is ultimately it's about overcoming. Uh, and everyone's going to have these challenges, Alex, whether it's professionally, whether it's with your health, whether it's a relationship, uh, these seemingly impossible odds, this crucible moment in everyone's life, it's either had happened or will, or will happen again. And it's about how do you overcome the seemingly impossible? And that's what a few bad men is a true story of Marine commandos uh, fought our way out of a complex ambush against from the enemy. And then against our own, and then uh, the 15-year campaign that I utilized members of the media, uh, both houses, uh, both parties, and uh, American uh, members of the media in Congress, as well as uh, lawyers, to completely clear a name. So, hopefully, inspire others. Do their communities today recognize them? Are they recognized? Because you know, Memorial Day is such a community event and a community. Uh, honoring that do their own communities honor them now after their name's been cleared? Yes, they it, they have. And it's, uh, you know, many of the Marines still live in the shadows due to, you know, the concern of when you're alleged of, you know, killing terrorists, uh, you know, here in the United States, there's many who... Uh, are happy about that, that they we, killed terrorists. Come on now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's many who are unhappy. I mean, look what happened last August. Unfortunately, when we evacuate out of a country like Afghanistan, the the doctrinal procedures that we evacuate, we prioritize the evacuees are American citizens first, then third country nationals. But what did you see leave out of Afghanistan first? What was the first plane out? The people running down the runway. Those were not American citizens. That was not our diplomatic mission with the Department of State. Those were Afghan civilians. Who vetted them? You know, who knows who they are? Uh, but uh, there are many. I mean, you had a... And Americans were told, we can't be helping you. You know, the, your own government tells you that, and you're scratching your head like, what do you mean our own government can't help you with the situation? So some of these men, you know, have made the decision that they don't want to, you know, come forward in the press. And I... I I fully understand as being one of these seven who was falsely accused. That's it. It's a great risk. Uh, so, but uh, America really does need to make sure that going forward, we have competent commanders. We have we we remove this moral hazard where people social virtue and a virtue signal that you know I wouldn't do that. They point the finger and they accuse. Uh, to get promoted. And when you read this book, read that last chapter of what happened to all these accusers of us and how they rapidly soared through the ranks mm. and got these promotions by throwing people under the bus. And you, you're not reading my words in the last half of the book. When you go into that court, 
reading the words that these senior officers said under sworn testimony, which was illegally classified. What I described to you is not something classified. It's not submarines at sea or the locations of satellites in orbit. It was a gunfight on the side of the road, simple gun battle. You know, I, I talk about adaptability and, and adapting to life even after this gun battle. I, I mean, were there injuries? I mean, what what did go down in this gun battle? And were yes. we victorious at all? We did have one Marine who was wounded in battle, and um, it was a miracle. <laughs> that literally, when a car bomb filled a van filled with explosives and fuel, it scorched the trees above, up to 100 feet above, uh, but it went off right in the front of the vehicle, vehicle or second vehicle. And uh, the turret gunner, who's manning the machine gun on the top of the turret, but it, it went off only 10 feet away from him. Uh, he was on fire, and he got hit with a shrapnel. Um, but he immediately stood up. This is 9 o'clock in the morning, so there was no fog of war or confusion. But another vehicle came from the left side of the road, and it had a driver with three other jihadists hanging out of the windows, firing AK-47s fully automatic at us. So uh, two of the Marines in that vehicle that just got blown up immediately stood to their feet and aimed in their machine gun, fired and killed the three jihadists that were shooting at them. The driver did bail out of that vehicle into the ditch, and he continued to fight against us, uh, and he lived. And he actually testified in the courtroom. They, it was the government's one of their lead witnesses. They thanked him. They paid him salacia payments, and they talked about how much they, you know, appreciated his service. This was Marine prosecuting attorneys. Uh, that uh, gentleman was was found out to be a terrorist, uh, and we had paid him. Uh, the, the book talks a lot more about this. You really do need to read this book. It's also on Audible. So and that's why I love that we're talking about this, because I feel like the book's A Few Bad Men is, is going to give us an insight. Now, I did notice the date was August 14, 2021, so I think I can safely say the evacuation of Afghanistan opened up this wound even more for you. I feel like we didn't really hear about it, but on the home front, for 20 years, we were there trying to protect Afghanistan. We were there trying to get the terrorists that took down the Twin Towers, and this evacuation ripped open many wounds, and I feel like it ripped open a wound for you as well. It did for a lot of those who have, and we've had millions deployed literally to Iraq and Afghanistan. And for us to, let's not call it a withdrawal, let's be honest, it was a retreat, not some kind of summer retreat. Although it happened in the summer, it was, it was an embarrassing retreat. And it's the consequences of that incompetency are what we're looking at right now and watching go on in Ukraine, uh, where our nation's enemies, our competitors, our adversaries, Russia and China, you know, they're they're having their way. The reason that I don't know why that the media is not covering the fact that North Korea is continuously launching missiles now and testing missiles again and again and again, but it's because we are not respected militarily. They know our military leaders are weak. What are the military leaders continually talking about right now is white extremism and they're saying that it's in that it's rampant in the military. So 
So as someone who spent my career in the military for 26 years, 10 months, and 19 days, and even afterwards, I served four more years as a government civilian, we targeted networks. We went after these guys. I did that for a living at the highest levels in our, as a counterterrorist expert. But we all should be agreeing on certain things, such as our rights to vote, worship, assemble, the press, free speech. And when you start to divide all of us and get us focused on our differences, that's the first step to where we're ready to fall. Okay, it uh, is, and and this whole division that you're talking about, just click with me for a second. We're obviously dealing with Valdi, Texas, and the elementary school and the shooting of to death of 19 kids and the political aftermath. I mean, now it's being held as a political football, which absolutely disgusts me. But, you know, Memorial Day is always kind of a time we can come together and honor the good of America. But I don't know. I feel like it's going to take a lot of strong Americans to do it this time around. Like the fabric's being ripped away and 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 Memorial Day may not feel as special to some. How do we keep it special for people? I think we all need to uh, take that time this weekend and respect the names of those warriors, especially men like Staff Sergeant Christopher Antonek, uh, Major Ray Mendoza, uh, Major Jay Alvin, those, and there's, the list goes on. There's over 7,000 Americans that have uh, died fighting our enemies. Uh, we need to remember them. Uh, we need to remember that uh, we need to do everything we can to ensure that America remains free. We don't allow this division to take root inside our country. And we don't allow ourselves to be sucked into a war uh, because it's convenient for big business or, you know, the government's uh, military-industrial complex. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, there are those that benefit from it and want it. And we saw that when, uh, during the last administration, the president wanted mm-hmm. to fire General Nicholson, who was the colonel when when we were in Afghanistan, and he accused us during a criminal investigation saying that this was a terrible, terrible mistake. It was a stain on our honor and that Americans killed innocent Afghan civilians. Those are what he quoted during it to the press, during a Pentagon press corps from his position on video telecast from Afghanistan during a criminal investigation. And if that doesn't have a problem with Americans about the presumption of innocence, you know, one of our basic tenets that we're a legal society founded on laws. We should be protected by laws in our Constitution. We need to hold those failed leaders accountable. Uh, and that's up to the people. The people need to ensure that our elected officials do something. Um, unfortunately, the elected officials seem to uh, be primarily focused on uh, preserving their power and not answering to the people. The Eddie Gallagher story made national news. And what were your thoughts on that, having been in his shoes? Oh, yes. So, you know, there was a teenage uh, insurgent. They found him to be, but uh, the question is, did he kill him or not? Or did he just take a picture with the body? When you look at... um, I'll bring up a couple of examples. There's Marine snipers who had um, made bad decisions, and they urinated on some of those dead 
Taliban that they've killed with their sniper rifles. Uh, these young men were in their 20s. The comment on the Marine Corps had told the convening authority who made a sworn statement. Lieutenant General at the time, Waldhauser, made a sworn statement that the Commandant of the Marine Corps told him that he wants his Marines crushed. So the Commandant of the Marine Corps, the four-star general, most senior officer who had served over 40 years, twice in uniform as long as the, compared to these guys who are in their early 20s, that uh, twice as long serving as they have been alive, the judgment to remove the presumption of innocence is far more egregious and was he ever held accountable? And the stress that goes on in the minds of, uh, you know, one of those Marine snipers ended up committing suicide. Uh, so, you know, when you look at what either Eddie Gallagher or these snipers did, you know, it's, it's not, uh, not the signal that America wants, you know, urinating on somebody or taking a picture of dead bodies. Uh, you know, a chief that has over two decades of service and is that... Is that good judgment? Well, let's look at these generals that uh, use unlawful command influence. They are intentionally doing things, and none of them are held accountable for it. Mm. So we have a two-tiered justice system. And General MacArthur said, when there is this type of indifference that our troops sense, they will suffer from low morale. I'm paraphrasing uh, General MacArthur's statement there, but uh, it truly is a two-tiered justice system that makes, and that's, if you look at Russia right now, when you see, like, the superior force as far as numbers and military technology, why are they at a standstill and ineffective? I would submit that a large part of that is due to morale. It's due to the, the frontline foot soldiers not trusting their leadership above them, and I would submit that we're having the same problem in the United States Armed Forces. And so you're telling me if, if, if there was a war ever to break out, like World War III, we're not prepared, is is kind of the energy or the, the feeling I get from you is that we're not prepared for a war against Russia or China, for that matter. Alex, I just started working at Tesla last month. I finished four years as a civilian when I was working for the Department of Defense in uh, specifically in the Marines. And um, what I saw is nothing at all. What You know, when I was a young teenager at 17 years old and I joined and we won the last battle uh, in Desert Storm, uh, completely different. Now I have a question, why are these? I was assigned over in Hawaii and I could not figure out why all these very capable officers want to get out. And it's not because they or their wives don't like Hawaii or that they're being worked too much there or that the deployments, which has now ended, are running them into the ground. Those were the reasons that some got out years ago uh, when, when at the height of these wars. But they're not, none of them are saying that now. Even worse, they're not giving any reason. And what makes me nervous is when internal to the military is the problem and they don't want to, I mean, they're close to retirement and they just want to retire, they all say, mm. I'm going to work 20 years in one day. 
meaning they're going to get out as soon as they can if they don't give any answer. And that's uh, happening in police departments, too. They don't want to be in part yeah. of this either. And we're seeing this dangerous parallel. I, I would love to have you back on because I feel like we can go deeper into this because we just touched on the surface of the evacuation of Afghanistan and the retreating and how that ideology is reflecting in our own communities, even Evaldi, where there was no police presence there until like 12 minutes of shooting. I, it, it can get you really frustrated if you just keep talking about it, you know? So I just hope you have a really good Memorial Day weekend and you continue to tell your story. And I'd love to have you back, uh, Major Fred Galvin. Thank you, Thank you very much, Alex. I'm Alexander Garrett. We're always talking about people who should be trending. But yes, because of our media, they aren't. Here they are. Have a great night. And uh, yes, have a blessed Memorial Day weekend and uh, to you and your families. And thank you to all the troops for their service. Major Gal.